Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a year. I mean, we had a whole election for mayor in 2023. Is it me or does it feel like that was years ago? Brandon Johnson has gone from being a little-known Cook County commissioner to mayor-elect of the country's third largest city. Illinois' historic decision to outlaw the use of cash bail across the state. Two women were shot in the bleachers during a White Sox game at Guaranteed Rate Field. After months of planning and complaining, Chicago's experiment with NASCAR's first-ever street race is now over. Sanctuary City. That term has been thrown around a lot recently in regard to the influx of migrants in Chicago. Northwestern University is weighing stronger penalties against its football coach. That after details emerged surrounding allegations of sexualized hazing on the team. Since the year is about to be over, I thought it might be nice to take a look back. Now, we couldn't possibly break down every story from this year, so I was thinking about the most memorable stories. When we look back on 2023, what are we going to actually remember? I invited somebody on the show who always seems to be up on everything going on in Chicago to help us kind of suss that out. Hunter Klaus writes the Rundown newsletter. Hunter, welcome back to the Rundown podcast. Hey, how's it going, Aaron? Pretty good. Um, so first off, I wonder if you could describe the news in 2023 in one sentence, what would that sentence be? The year that... Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I'm really curious what your listeners would, how they would answer that question. But for me, I think I would say that this was the year that progressives won. Progressives had like a pretty good city election. You had Brandon Johnson going to the mayor's office and progressives expanded their numbers on the city council. Now they're in the driver's seat and where they take Mm. Chicago is going to be interesting. Um, But they're no longer on the outside. They're on the inside. And when you're on the outside, it's really easy to kind of be like, oh, well, this isn't working. But now, like, those problems are your problems. Mm -hmm. Like, you own that. And there are limits, too, to what, like, you can accomplish. Yeah. Um. It does feel like it was forever ago. I feel like I'm used to elections happening late in the year, so it you know it would feel pretty fresh normally. But yeah, we had that <laughs> runoff situation, so that happened like a thousand months ago. <laughs> yeah, and it was like such a tense election too. Uh, like I've covered a bunch of elections, and I don't remember them ever being this heated. And I get why too. I mean, you had two candidates who had very different views of where. They wanted to take Chicago. Yeah. And like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a lot that happened kind of out of that very progressive person being elected. Um, anything that stands out to you that really represents like the way that progressives won big throughout the year since that election? Yeah. I mean, they've had some, you know, successes. They've, they are phasing out the sub-minimum wage for tip workers. Yeah. They also got a uh, referendum on the ballot for the upcoming election that would hike the tax on the sale of high-end properties to help 
create a dedicated funding stream for homeless services. That's right. Um, that's also a big thing. I mean, it's still not final, but just the fact that they were able to get as far as they have is is notable. I want to get into sports a little bit, which is a sentence that I never say. <laughs> um, but... Same here. As uh, a lifelong gay, uh, sports is definitely not my forte. Definitely not into sports very much. But we have some pretty big sports situations happening that that are worth worth noting, which the first thing that came to my mind, um, the NASCAR epic you know, in my opinion, epic, epic fail. Oh, yeah. They uh, they picked probably the worst weekend to have an outdoor Chicago pothole 5000 race. <laughs> I love that. And then now, we, we had some tragedies that also happened um, in the sports realm. Uh, yeah, just I mean, that was that was just kind of a that was a fail in a lot of ways, but it was not tragic. Um, yeah, there's there's the whole White Sox shooting which was wild yeah so like in may two women were shot during a white Sox game and we still don't know how it happened it's one of these <laughs> mysteries that also just feels like very chicago Ugh. but it was two women who were just watching the game um they weren't seriously injured thank god but uh uh the whole story is just like bizarre you know, th- there's the shooting. There's the fact that the White Sox didn't stop they the game. They kept playing. And then people, were, and then it was like downplayed a little bit. Where it's like, oh, it's just some commotion going on over there where it's just like, mm, no, there are firearms being fired. Yeah. And, and you know, White Sox officials say, well, we think it, the shots came from outside the stadium. And initially, investigators had said, no, we don't think that right. is what happened. And they thought that someone had snuck a gun into the stadium, but their suspect ended up getting a lawyer and saying, like, look, it wasn't me. I didn't do this. <laughs> and um, the outgoing superintendent at the time, the police superintendent at the time, uh you know, when he was doing an exit interview with the Sun-Times, he basically said, like, look, we're probably never going to figure out what happened here. And it's just going to go down as one of these, like, legendary Chicago mysteries that, you know, we'll just never know what happened. Like, where are all the witnesses? They were right there. I mean, when a crowd of a, a full stadium of a game. That's wild. Yeah, what kills me was, like, there was a third woman who was wearing a hoodie around... I think like her waist or something, and she found a bullet in her hoodie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, there was also this was you know uh, Chicago area um, and in northwestern all of the all of the hazing cases and allegations. Um, and what I really appreciated was that this was a time when students actually did some really great reporting and their reporting was heard. Oh yeah. The student newspaper, the daily Northwestern did a phenomenal job and um, you know, who knows what would have happened if it wasn't for them uh, you know, talking to some of the players who had these allegations. Um, yeah. W- would the story have come out? 
you know, you don't know. But um, they did great work and, um, you know, they should be really proud of themselves. Yeah, it really um, shed a light on a lot of what happens in a lot of places, right? In a lot of big institutions um, in our in our country and, and in our culture. Um, and yeah, like you said, that it was it was coming from people who were there dealing with it um, directly and per per peripherally. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and yeah. these stories aren't like easy to report too. You've got to like really earn the trust of um, sources in a situation like this. And you know they they were able to do that they were able to get people to share their stories and um, it led to a lot of changes over there speaking of shedding a light on things um this this migrant situation that has taken over so much of our our thoughts and our minds um, in Chicago. You know, people have been coming here in absolute droves and and the city has really been struggling to manage that. And I think one of the things that that situation really did was shed a light on the issues that we have been having going on in Chicago for decades now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've We've had a housing problem for a very long time, yes. and that has just kind of blown up when you're trying to find uh, places for people to stay. And um, the city has really struggled with this. And you know, some critics have said that Mayor Johnson was really slow to take this seriously. And of course, you know, the the Johnson administration would say, like, look, like we're on our own. We're not getting any help from the feds. Mm-hmm. And this is really a federal problem at the end of the day. But, um, you know, things aren't looking as bad as they used to. I mean, it's still a lot, but you you, you have a couple of hundred people who are staying at police stations and O'Hare that's down from a couple of thousand. Yeah. Uh, We'll see, though, what happens as we get closer to the Democratic National Convention next year. People in the mayor's office expect that new arrivals will start picking up in the lead up to that as a way of Republicans trying to embarrass Democrats as they're trying to have their big party um, convention. Oh, But, I mean, it's been really difficult. I mean, the winterized base camps that yes. Mayor Johnson had proposed met with opposition almost immediately mm-hmm. from very different sides. There were residents in neighborhoods who said that they didn't want them. And then there were migrant advocates saying that this plan didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I talked with uh, a couple of people from the Sun-Times and, and from WBZ's newsrooms too recently. And, um, you know, they, they talked about how migrants are kind of, you know, they're working with housing vouchers and they're they're living together, right? And they're they're kind of mm-hmm. organizing amongst themselves, also with what with resources they have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, this is like an area where you know, like, you know, the progressives who are kind of like, you know, again in the driver's seat are running into like the limits of what you can accomplish at city hall. And, you know, you can come up with these plans to create 
um, shelters in neighborhoods, but you know there are people who fought against it and in sometimes very ugly ways, yes. and how they are, you know, responding to that is also interesting. You know, you've got people in some neighborhoods, you know, on the west and south sides who are saying like, look. We've been wanting resources for decades now, yes. and we haven't gotten them. And now the city's pulling out the stops for people who just arrived. Yeah. And that's like a, that's been a hard argument for Johnson to respond to. And he eventually kind of came down on the side of residents saying that he wouldn't take away services for Chicagoans to help fund services for people who want to be Chicagoans. And it's been it's it's very difficult situation for them. Yeah. The state of Illinois also made history in eliminating cash bail. First state to do that, um, reform the cash bail system in that way. It's very unusual. Um, and and I, that's something that I'm really excited to see is, you know, how that's going to end up playing out over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, so far, it sounds good. I mean, there are a lot of downstate Counties saying that since this went into effect, uh, their jails have been less crowded. Um, in Cook County, uh, you haven't seen any major hiccups. Um, and, you know, everyone's watching Cook County. Cook County is like the biggest county in the state and it includes Chicago. So you know, all eyes are on Cook County. And, um, you know, on the first day when this thing went in, there were people at the courthouse just like, sighing with relief that nothing that there were no major problems with this and so far so good I kind of want to move on to a nice light note here which is that there were some really sweet and wild animal stories oh, yeah. <laughs> this year in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, I think my favorite was Chonkasaurus, the <laughs> ginormous snapping turtle. Yes. Only because, like, all of the other animals in, like, the pantheon of, like, Chicago mascots that pop up, like the piping plovers, the humble park alligator, have all been, like, these tiny, skinny things. And yeah. Chonkasaurus was, like, this huge, thick monster. And as someone who's, like, you know, packing out a couple of pounds, I was glad to see some fat representation <laughs> in our pantheon of animals. And um, I, I love, like, this. there was, like, a quote from one of the guys who was kayaking who first discovered Chonkasaurus. Yeah. And he said something like, it was just the most Chicago image of this <laughs> giant turtle that looked like it was too big for its shell just hanging out on the river just kicking it like what <laughs> where did you even you out here like you supposed to be out here like, <laughs> well, and then like the sun times the chicago sun times tried finding the turtle and couldn't oh, only the lay people <laughs> only the civilians can find this turtle apparently well, then, then I, it wasn't just the Sun Times either. They had like 
an expert from the field museum, which yeah. I love because like the field museum always has like an expert on something. It's like one of those <laughs> things where you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, we'll take that person. The most specific, right? Like minutia. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. You know what I really loved? Um, you know, I'm just like such a, a visual person. This was such beautiful visuals was those foxes. Oh, yeah. That family of foxes at Lurie Garden at mm-hmm. Millennium Park. I mean, the the images were just so beautiful. And it made me so happy because it made me feel like the horticulturalists down at Millennium Park are doing something right. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing your job right when like the animals just naturally come to the environment that you have created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They can check out Lollapalooza sometime, too. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be uh, rocking out next to no foxes. I have to be a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are what are you thinking about? Um, yeah, anything you're going to be watching out for in 2024? Yeah, I mean, aside for you know fun stories, um, you know, the migrant crisis is definitely something to watch, especially as we get closer to the DNC. Um, you know, some things are going to really start going off the rails next year, too. Uh, Chicago Public Schools is looking at some pretty serious uh, budgetary problems and how they close a budget gap, uh, especially with, you know, Johnson at the wheel is going to be uh, something to watch. Yeah. Um, the CTA is also has some serious financial problems. You know, all of this is just caused by federal pandemic money running out. You know, these mm. these uh, services were uh, propped up during the pandemic by this funding. And, you know, once it goes away, like, what do you do? So those are like some big things that I'll be watching next year. Yeah, I think we write we are right on like the the finishing end for sure this year of a lot of I mean, we're we're paying back our student loans for those who still have them. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of that COVID relief, COVID support has phased out SNAP Mm -hmm. um, expansion. Um, Yeah. I'll also be watching out to see if I make uh, Crane Chicago businesses 60 under 60. (laughs) I I missed missed 30. I missed 20. Uh Missed 40. So I'm I'm going to aim for 60. I think they do, but I, you know, I'm going to need another 10 years to try and get, get my stuff together. Hunter Klaus writes WBEZ's daily newsletter, The Rundown. Hunter, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great seeing you. To get more of Hunter's news updates in your inbox, you can sign up for The Rundown newsletter at wbez.org slash The Rundown. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Vanizak is our executive producer and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>